Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Imagine you're walking on a beach and you spot something shiny. It turns out to be a coin, but not just any old coin. It's gold, from a legendary treasure lost at sea more than 300 years ago. This is no fairy tale. It's reality, and it's happening right now in Florida. In 1715, a very broke King Philip V of Spain orders a fleet to gather treasure from the New World. Twelve ships were overloaded with over a billion dollars worth of gold and silver coins, precious gems, and Incan riches. They set sail from Havana, but five days later a violent hurricane demolishes 11 of the 12 ships, scattering treasure along what is now the Florida coast. For three centuries, treasure hunters have been trying to grab their share of the lost gold. Several months ago, divers salvaged almost $2 million worth of loot sparking a new high-tech gold rush that's putting the shine in the Sunshine State. Now, I'm joining forces with three seasoned explorers, each of whom thinks they've got the inside track on the remaining bounty. Who will be the first to find it? I'm hoping it'll be me. My name is Josh Gates. With a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration, my travels have taken me to the ends of the earth as I investigate the greatest legends in history. This is Expedition Unknown. I'm driving down the eastern side of Florida toward the town of Sebastian. Just offshore here are a collection of barrier islands, sandbars, and reefs. And over the centuries, these hazards have consumed literally hundreds of ships. And it's earned this area a nickname. It's known as the Treasure Coast. Most of the people who live here didn't come to find gold. The only treasure they're interested in is retirement. And though I'm a few years from cashing in my IRA, I decide to dip a tube sock toe into the water. What's the secret to retirement in Florida? The secret, the big secret is happy hour. 
Cheers. I like that you're like six deep here. That's nice. Go around. Oh, nicely done. Sorry, ladies. You're going down, Junie. G57. And 31. Bingo! I'm not ready for the retirement gear yet. I do still have the tube socks on, though, under the pants. They're very comfortable. I'm headed now to meet with a treasure hunter named Eric Schmidt. Eric's name has been in the news a lot lately. He's made some of the most recent, and frankly, some of the most valuable finds right here on the Treasure Coast. Eric's ship came in when he found over two million in gold, and it's all Spanish. In 1715, as the costly War of Secession ends, Spain is in dire financial straits. So King Philip V gathers a fleet to transport more than a billion dollars worth of treasure from the New World back to Spain. One group of ships begins in Veracruz. A second group sets sail from Cartagena. Together, they're laden with the gold, silver, and jewels plundered from Spain's colonial territory. The two fleets sail to Havana and join forces in May of 1715, taking on even more riches before setting off for Spain on July 24th. But seven days later, a violent hurricane destroys 11 of the 12 ships off the coast of Florida, killing over a thousand sailors and scattering the treasure across the ocean floor. Despite a three-year salvaging effort by the Spanish, only six of the ships were found, and only half of the fortune was recovered, leaving millions available for modern-day treasure hunters like Eric and me to find. Eric. Hey. hey. How are you? Nice to meet you. I'm Josh. All right, let's do a little treasure hunting, yeah? Yeah, sure. So, in your mind, this is the spot? This is the spot. Why here? More gold has been found on this beach than anywhere else in the world. That's a good reason. That gold is from the 1715 fleet? Yes. If these boats sank out at sea, why look on land? Why do you look here? We're working pretty much pretty close to where the, uh, the finds are being made out in the water, and these beaches have moved a lot. This could have been water uh, where we're standing 300 years ago. For instance, let me give you an idea of what we've been finding the, the last few years. These, um, these are extremely valuable. These are, uh, we call these Lima Eight Escudos. These are one-ounce gold coins. These are 1712 and 1711. Wow. I mean, what's incredible is how clean they are. These look like they were made yesterday. And that's how they came out of the water. Look at that. And gold shines forever. Value of these coins is what? I would say each, co each of those coins at a conservative value is around twenty dollars or $30,000. Are you twenty or 30000 a coin? Yes. And we found about 60 of those this year. Can somebody hit Eric over the head with something <laughs> heavy so we can get out of here? <laughs> Enough talking. Let's find some money. Eric and I get to work searching the beach. A recent hurricane has turned up new sand, so I'm hoping this will be my lucky day. Possibly have a hit here. Beer can. Croc. And a gun grip. Florida. A gun grip doesn't go for much on the gold market, so it's back to work. I'd like to tell you that this is going to end with Eric over there excitedly calling me over, us digging down, finding a million dollars in treasure, 
and then going out and getting as drunk as humanly possible before buying matching Kenny Powers jet skis. But that's probably not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that this is going to end the way that most metal detecting trips end. It's going to end with two guys driving away empty-handed. And that's because finding treasure is difficult business. It's why 300 years after the Spanish fleet was lost, there's still millions out there waiting to be found. I leave Eric to find his next million in the sand and head up the coast to learn about a guy who made a fortune of his own hunting the 1715 fleet and had a whole lot of fun doing it. All right, it's been 300 years since the 1715 fleet was lost, and since then, there have been a lot of gold rushes to try to recover the treasure. But it really wasn't until the middle of the 20th century that the hunt heated up. That's when this amateur treasure hunter, a guy named Kip Wagner, followed a trail of silver coins just off the coast here. And Kip formed a treasure hunting group known as the Real Eight. These guys were total characters. Picture uh, Sinatra's crew from Ocean's Eleven. That's basically what we're talking about here. These guys were a misfit collection of scuba divers and engineers and welders. They even hooked up with a former chicken farmer turned scuba diving master named Mel Fisher. They may have looked like a motley crew, but they did something that nobody expected. They found treasure, lots and lots of treasure. Welcome to the Mel Fisher Treasure Museum. Inside, there's case after case of gold, silver, and valuable relics, including major hauls from the 1715 fleet. So how do they do it? Well, first of all, not many folks were scuba diving back then, so no question they had a jump on the competition. But it was definitely more than that. Mel and his associates were ingenious. He developed new systems for blowing sand off the sea floor, and they even pioneered electronics to help scan for signs of metal underwater. But the best part about these guys is that when they did find treasure, man, did they know how to party. The party didn't stop for decades. By the time Mel Fisher died in 1996, six of the 11 shipwrecks from the 1715 fleet had been located, leaving the whereabouts of the remaining five completely unknown. Those five ships represent millions of dollars to whoever is smart enough, tough enough, and lucky enough to find them. For all the visitors itching to become the next Mel Fisher, the gift shop offers several promising options. Well, this is it right here, the treasure. Nope. Okay, here it is, right here, the treasure. How long is the show? Florida treasure map, right here. $7.95. I mean, it's pretty much sewn up now. Not entirely convinced that the map will lead me to the treasure, I'm heading to meet a man who says he can. He's a treasure hunter named Chris James, and for more than two decades, he's been diving what is thought to be the wreck of the Capitana, one of the flagships of the fleet. Though the Capitana was first rediscovered over 50 years ago, there was so much gold that decades later, Chris is still picking up the pieces. Chris. Hey, Josh, how are you? Good, nice Hi, to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Are you ready to find treasure? I'm, I'm always ready to find we're, treasure. We're gonna find it today. We are. Yes, sir. Well, I like the sound of that. Let's go find it. We set sail cruising through the Sebastian Inlet toward the open ocean. The wreck of the Capitana is out there, along with 10 of her sisters, and they're hiding a treasure worth hundreds of millions, if we can find it. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm off the coast of Florida searching for the treasure of the lost Spanish fleet, an armada of ships loaded with gold and precious gems. The fleet set sail from Havana in 1715 bound for Spain, when a hurricane sent 11 vessels to the bottom of the Atlantic. Treasure hunter Chris James is taking me to the wreckage of what is believed to be the Capitana, one of the flagships of the fleet. How long have you been investigating this story? Since 1991. Are you a high-tech guy or a low-tech guy? A low-tech guy. A low-tech guy? Yeah. So you go off what, instinct? Instinct. And how's that served you over the years? Very well. Found in 1993, uh, 441 diamonds in a diamond set. Wow. I believe it's part of the Queen's jewels. Legend says that the diamonds were intended to be a wedding gift for the new Queen of Spain, who was promised a lavish dowry of jewels and gold by King Philip V. The riches were loaded onto the 1715 fleet, likely on the Capitana, but the jewels were lost at sea. Fortunately for Philip, his bride married him anyway, and they had seven children. No diamonds required. Why are you still returning to the wreck? Well, because I think there's a whole lot left. I mean, they say based on the manifest of what's listed, there's $400 million worth of treasure left. $400 million. Yes. <laughs> Even just saying it puts a smile on your yes, face. Yes, it does. And that's almost certainly still here, right? Oh, it's definitely here. Yes. I'm not going to stop looking either. Well, let's start looking. In no time, we reach the site of the wreck, an anonymous patch of water just off the coast. Okay, so this is it. This is the spot. This is where we're going to work, right here. This is it. Yes. This is where we're getting rich. We're going to get rich right here. Today. Right now. You better not be lying to me. Let's do it. <laughs> 
We get into our wetsuits while Chris's team anchors a second ship and lowers what's called a prop washer into the water to blow away any sand from the ocean floor. Once the dust settles, we dive right in. All right, Chris, I'm headed down now. Visibility is really bad. I'll sweep with the detector. If it's metal, we'll hear a signal. Copy that. We're equipped with special metal detectors for underwater use, but the principle is the same as on land. If they find metal, they'll beep loudly. I can only see a few inches. Visibility is very bad. With our eyes nearly useless, we spend precious air just keeping our bearings. But the metal detectors don't need to see in order to work. Hearing something here. You're hearing something. Something metal. There's something here. Something metal here, Chris. What do you think? That's a coin. That's definitely from the wreck. This from the ship. This is from the ship. Amazing. The coin gives us an area on which to focus. And sure enough, it turns out there's more loose change down here. There's something in my glove. Oh my god, it's a coin. Look at that. Chris, we got another one. Another coin. I can't believe we got another coin. I can't wait another minute to get a clear view of these coins. After making sure there's nothing else in this spot, Chris and I surface to get a closer look at our finds. Whew. That was amazing. That was amazing. Is that silver? These are pieces of eight. They're pieces of eight? Yeah. Look at that. So, and you think that once cleaned up, they'll have, they'll they'll have a cross, a cross on one side and a shield on the other. <laughs> pieces of eight are the unofficial name for the Spanish dollar of the era. Silver coins worth eight reals. How many silver pieces have you found on this site? Oh, hundreds. I like finding the gold jewelry better. Hey, man, I'll take silver. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. This is it. What are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing the next day? I, I live here now. Chris and I return to the depths to keep looking for more coins, but the visibility eventually becomes too muddy to work. Two pieces of eight richer, we bid farewell and adieu to the Capitana and head back to dry land. New day, new hunt. While Chris will continue to dive the remains of the Capitana to extract her hidden riches, I've got an appointment with another Lost Fleet researcher who's looking for loot someplace else altogether. Next stop is to meet with a guy named Gary Drayton. Gary is another treasure hunter down here who has had a lot of success over the years, but from what I hear, his methods are very unique. Gary waits for me in a Floridian's natural habitat next to his truck. How you doing? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Good, nice to meet you. And you, mate. You look ready for treasure hunting I was here. born ready for treasure hunting. <laughs> Turns out Gary is from Florida by way of Grimsby, England. But even though he's not a native, he still knows this area like the back of his hand. We're not right at the beach here. Are we going to sea? Oh, no. We're going to the swamp. We're going to the swamp? Yeah. You do know these boats wrecked in the ocean, Gary? Yeah, I do. A lot of that treasure got flown over the barrier island into the swamp. These thin barrier islands are only a few hundred yards across. And Gary believes that over the years, storms have lifted precious debris from the lost fleet and deposited it directly into the swamps on the other side. And you're confident it's there? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I found stuff at the back of the swamp. Let me show you something. You have treasure here? Yep, I brought some with me. While Mel Fisher has a museum, Gary has a different place to display his loot. Greatest secret compartment of all time. <laughs> this is extraordinary. This is, you found this in the swamp? Yeah. 
And do you think these are from the 1750s? Oh, without fleet? a doubt, yeah. But these are clues. These lead you to the silver and gold coins that we're really looking for. Right. I've saved the best till last. That is a 300-year-old Spanish treasure ring. Those are emeralds? Yep. 22 and a half carat Inca gold with nine flawless emeralds. Look at the craftsmanship of it. What is the value of this ring? Uh, the emeralds alone, $360,000. As a whole with the gold, it's probably a half a million dollar Spanish treasure ring. In the trunk of your car by the spare tire? Yeah. So we are motivated to go in the swamp now? Very motivated. Let's swamp go. sounds like a good idea now. Let's go. Gary calls Swamp Uber, and we walk down to the dock to find our ride waiting. All right, away we go. This may not be the most conventional place to hunt for treasure, but as I've just seen, the pot of gold at the end of this rainbow is real. So about how far are we going? We're going about a mile and a half through the inlet. Got it. John, this is as fast as it goes. Just hang on a second. After a wet and wild ride, we navigate to the area where Gary thinks debris from the 1715 fleet has been swept up by hurricanes and washed into the swamp. Here we go, Josh. This is the treasure spot. Wow, look at this. Okay, so now what? Now it's time to get wet. We're gonna get down and dirty, and that's the best way of finding treasure. It's also the best way of getting uh, eaten by an alligator, isn't it? Uh, probably nibble you first. Even though there are definitely gators around here, finding the treasure means getting out of the boat. We don some seriously thick waders and slide hip deep into the swamp. There's about a foot and a half of mud at the bottom of the swamp, in case anyone's interested. Gary's technique is simple. Sweep the muck with a metal detector and then shovel up anything that goes beep. Do I scoop? Yeah. Gary runs the detector along the bottom, and in just a few minutes, we hear the sweet music we've been hoping for. Yeah, it's definitely swimming, Mitch. We got a hit. Let's see what it is. Yeah, it's something just directly underneath the search for a left. Right there. Yeah. No, it's still in there, Josh. You got it? I don't know. Well, I got metal. Why is it? I got something metal, for sure. What is that? What the hell is that? That's an old flat iron. What year is this from? It looks like it's probably from the 1850s, 1860s. Definitely Victorian. It is treasure, too. Yeah. I mean, this is antique. This yeah. is something actually... You know, quite amazing, yeah. and it's beautifully made, and you can actually see there's writing on it. It's not Spanish treasure, but my shirts are going to look great tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Let's throw this up in the airboat. Enthused by our first find, Gary decides to reveal his secret weapon. This is what I'm talking about, magnet fishing. So this is a some industrial-grade magnet? Yeah, 250-pound strength. It is attached to a rope? Yeah. And we are literally going to go looking for goldfish. This is a first for me. 
So are you ready? Here yep. we go. Casting it out. Let it sink. We're fishing for iron. Any iron on this floor in the mud is going to be attached to our magnet. It seems ridiculous. But then I think of nine flawless emeralds set in 23 karat Inca gold, and I ask for the magnet. Okay. Can I give it a go? Yeah, sure. Here we go. Is there, yeah. is there a special technique to this? Um, Don't hit yourself in the face? Yeah. Anything? Nothing. We cast out the magnet again and again and again. We follow up the magnet with more sweeps of the metal detector, drawing us deeper into the swamp. Oh, and uh, here's another pro tip, kids. If you're investigating amidst dense trees, always keep an eye on your treasure hunting partner. Oh, right in the face, Gary. Oh, For sake. God, shimmy Christmas. After several hours of throwing magnets and getting hit in the face with branches, I'm halfway hoping to be devoured by that alligator. But Gary is one persistent guy, and it turns out his confidence is well-founded. Oh, we got something. What is that? That's a conglomerate. That's an iron conglomerate? Yeah. We wouldn't have found that if it hadn't been for the iron. Right. Now, there could be gold or a silver coin in the middle of this. Right. We don't know until we've dissolved this crustacean stuff off it. You think this could be from the wreck? Oh, yeah. It's definitely period. That looks 1700s. Wow. And now that we found this here, we yeah. know there could be more hits here. Oh, without a doubt, there's going to be some more iron in there. Other than the fact that we're standing waist-deep in a dangerous swamp, I'd say this guy is a genius, and I'm certainly impressed. Magnet fishing. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> That's awesome. Gary and I continue to investigate the swamp until we're both suffering from a severe case of magnet shoulder. Finally, we pack it in and head for the dock, enjoying a beer as I look up mosquito bite remedies. As for the iron conglomerate we pulled out of the mud, inside, Gary discovered exactly what he'd hoped for, a silver coin, likely from the lost fleet. The find is not only another piece of the treasure, but opens up a whole new zone for him and others to continue the investigation. But while some riches are hiding in the swamp, there are even bigger hauls out in the open ocean, mainly entire ships that have never been salvaged. There were 12 ships in the 1715 fleet, all but one sank, and of the 11 that went down, six have been discovered. But that means there are five ships out there that modern searchers have never found. When the Spanish salvage operation ended in 1718, their documents about the wrecks were stored for safekeeping in several archives. And now, a dedicated researcher has gained access to their location. Meeting him, though, will be a bit tricky. He's not in Florida, or even in the U.S. So I find myself going to a place I never thought I'd be able to visit. Cuba, the launching place of the 1715 fleet and a one-time Spanish colonial stronghold. More recently, the site of a communist revolution 
and an American trade embargo that is only now beginning to weaken. <laughs> Cuba is a place of infinite contradictions. It is regimented and yet free-spirited. It's incredibly bureaucratic and yet it's also wild. You can try to understand it, which will make you crazy, or you can just let it wash over you. Later, I'll be meeting my contact at the Cuban National Archive, where no American crew has ever been allowed to film. In the meantime, there's a location from the story of the 1715 fleet that I can inspect right now. This is the Castillo de la Real Fuerza. It is the oldest fortress in all of Havana, built in 1588. And the Spanish fleet of 1715 were docked right outside. The reason? Because this is where the Spanish stored all of the gems and gold that were being shipped back to the old world. Outside the fort, I sample some of the other treasures that the 1715 fleet was to carry back to Spain. The best rum in the Caribbean, still made right here and pure tobacco, which Cubans are always happy to share in the form of heavenly, hand-rolled cigars. When the smoke clears, I go to the National Archives of Cuba, where I'm getting virtually unprecedented access to arcane documents that may finally give up the secrets of the lost fleet. No American film crew has ever been allowed inside, that is, until right now. Inside the archives, I meet Cesar Alonso Sanson from the Cuban Ministry of Archaeology. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. As well as 1715 fleet expert, American historian John DeBry. Should we go in? Please, lead the way. Within these walls are over 500 years of the island's history. Many of the documents have never been studied by modern eyes, let alone filmed. Cesar, is it possible to see some of the things that you found? Cesar retrieves stacks of loosely bound records that he's been poring over in preparation for our visit. For documents this old, there's no search engine or even a card catalog. 1715, there it is. Cesar opens the files and flips through pages that are yellowed with age, and those are the ones in good condition. Can you open this page for a minute? I just want to see, are those all holes? Literally, you can see the pages yeah, are, are yeah, just disintegrating. The, the ink is bled through. Uh-huh. And, and it's caused uh, it, the paper it, to disintegrate. Fall apart. Wow. This is why it is so important to record all those things now before it's all gone. Do you believe that, that somewhere here there is a, a golden document, something that really could connect the puzzle pieces and identify the locations of the wrecks? I am convinced there is such document here in Cuba, something that will tell us the order the ship sank. They had to have such charts. Right. They had to have. Now we just need to find it. We need to find it. We begin scanning through the documents, and it isn't long before one of them catches John's eye. This is really interesting. This is the first time that I see a mention of the overall number of people who died or drowned. Wow, OK. okay? And they mentioned there's more than 1,500. I've always heard 1,000. Most of the references to the wreck say it's about 1,000. Well, now so, we know that there's possibly quite a bit more. It's amazing that, that, that one line from one of these documents can actually reframe what we know about history. Exactly. More importantly, it can reframe what we know about the 1715 fleet. The archives here are brimming with new information that John and Cesar are just beginning to find. This document is a document that authorized one ship to join the fleet. La Fragata Santa Rita. 
This is the first time today that I see this name, Santa Rita. So that's the name of one of the 11 ships? Yes, right. it was named the Santa Rita, but he changed the name to Marigareta. A boat that has never been found? Never been found. That's something new to me. I've never seen this before. Wow. So it's very exciting. Nice very work. exciting. So. <laughs> yeah. That could lead to more documentation about the ship, its original owner, where it was built, what it looked like. Exactly. We're rewriting history here. Yes, we are. While perhaps not rewriting it as much as revealing it, the Cuban archives are giving us a much more complete picture of the events of 1715. One of the things we've learned from the various archival documents is that two ships that were salvaged by the Spanish in 1715, 16, 17, were never found in modern time. So we know that they found two ships that we haven't found. Exactly. If that's the case, why do you think that those two wrecks have not been rediscovered? There are some indications that one, at least one ship may be much further north uh, than people have ever looked for. And that's a huge piece of information. It's going to make it a lot easier to find them. The Cubans, it turns out, have been holding on to some game-changing stuff. The six wrecks that we know about are all in a relatively tight group along the Treasure Coast, but this new documentation suggests one ship might be much further north than anyone ever suspected. With the discovery of this stunning information, I bid adios to Cuba and jet back to Florida. Back in the Sunshine State, I'm linking up with a group of expert divers who plan to put this knowledge to the test. Hey guys, how you doing? Greg Bounds is a search and salvage expert who's worked with the great Mel Fisher himself. Now, he's determined to unmask the location of the rest of the 1715 fleet. I meet him and his colleague, Terry Wilder, aboard the Big Easy. Terry, how are you? Nice to meet you. Well, how's it looking? Man, it's looking good. Yeah? We're ready to go. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. All right, let's hit it. Let's do it, boys. Come on. Greg, as it turns out, has been following a similar theory to the one supported by our Cuban documents, that a ship from the 1715 fleet sank much further north than anyone previously thought. All clear! We set sail out of the inlet toward the open seas, Fog is heavy, but around here, the weather seems to change every hour. We're headed north, almost as far as the Georgia border. How long have you been looking for treasure? Uh, I've been looking for treasure a little over 20 years. Where do you think you'll succeed where other treasure hunters maybe haven't? Well, the technology today has changed, and I use that to my advantage out hunting uh, for the wrecks. Me, I love the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. You're really biting off on this idea that it's to the north. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind there's a ship up to the north. All right, so about how far north are we headed? We're heading about 18 miles. There's an area up there where I believe that one of the missing 1715 ships came ashore. We make our way to the open ocean. The first swell hits the Big Easy and immediately turns it into the Big Queasy. Evan, how you feeling? Brian, you are a color right now that is hard to describe. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I've, I've had better days. You're going like full Green Goblin right now. And, and by the way, what I'm doing right now is trying not to vomit all over both of you. <laughs> Eventually, we hit calmer water and arrive at the site Greg wants us to scan. That's when he busts out a piece of gear that looks straight out of Top Gun. Okay, so this is, uh, I believe, uh, a Hellfire missile. Is that correct? This is a cesium magnetometer. 
what it does is it senses the Earth's magnetic field. And any iron, ferrous metal that's laying on the bottom, like cannons, anchors, or some ballast stones, it measures that change in the magnetic field. Got it. We'll tow this behind the boat. As we get moving, we will deploy it off the stern of the boat, and we want to keep it as close to the bottom as possible. Okay, so uh, this really is the secret weapon. This is the secret weapon for finding wrecks, absolutely. We set it loose to scan the ocean floor 20 feet below, and we feed out what looks like an endless stream of rope. Then, we wait patiently as the boat drags it in a pattern over the area that Greg has chosen. All right, now we wait for treasure. Greg heads back to the bridge to man the computer, and the waiting begins. It's a long process, since if you hadn't heard, it's a big ocean. All we can do is hope and see if the magnetometer gets lucky. We got a target here. All right. We're on it. Got a nice target right here. We're just passing over that. We just passed. See, here's our magnetometer towing it. Uh -huh. We just left it here. Looks like a big hit or not? It looks like a pretty good sized target. Though. Great. We finally get a hit on the magnetometer, then another one. Here oh, we're coming up on another target too Look as at well. that. And another. Another one right there. Yeah. Okay, so we mark that one. and we keep going back and forth with these lines. Just keep going back and forth. Got it. Before long, we've triangulated an area in which to search. That's a good sign that we have multiple targets in an area. You know, it makes a nice debris field. So uh, the only way to know what they are though is to get in the water and find out. Let's do that. All right, that sounds good to me. Greg cuts the engine and tosses a buoy on top of the target. With the spot marked, he drops anchor, and we get ready to get wet. Once we're suited up, we hit the water. Conditions underwater are less than ideal. With this section of the coast prone to storms and wave action, visibility is typically bad. What are we looking for? Metal. Anything metal. We test out our metal detectors and begin scanning the seabed. If a ship did sink here, the ocean floor has had 300 years to hide it. There are thick layers of silt and vegetation that kick up clouds as we search. It's amazing to think there could be a ship down here and we might not even be able to see it. We spend half our oxygen feeling our way across the ocean floor, hoping for some sign of the wreck. And then Greg gets one. Right size for the fleet. Spanish 18th century. Oh my god! Amazing! Greg ties a buoy to the cannon with a GPS marker so he can come back and fully excavate the site. Then we use every second of our remaining bottom time to scan the surrounding area. I've got hits on the metal detector, but they're deep. Me too. We gotta get back here and dig. Between the cannon and the other buried debris, there is every reason to believe that we've just landed on one of the ships from the 1715 fleet. We did it, man! We found a cannon! Good job, man. Awesome. Watch this space, because Greg will be back here soon with heavy equipment to determine what's hiding beneath the sea floor and the true identity of that cannon. But even if Greg finds glory on this wreck, much of the lost fleet of 1715 will still be undiscovered. My own journey brought me down to one of the wrecks where I got my first taste of the treasure. 
That's a coin. That's definitely from the wreck. Amazing. I've also been up to my waist in mud, where I learned that most treasure hunting is less than glamorous. Oh, right in the face, Gary. <laughs> and I visited a once forbidden country whose long-held secrets led me to historic discoveries on paper. We're rewriting history here. Yes, we are. And at the bottom of the ocean. Again. Oh my god, amazing. The treasure of the 1715 fleet is, I can attest, a dangerous siren. For some, it's a hobby. For many more, an obsession. So if you find yourself walking on a beach or taking a swim along Florida's treasure coast and you see something shiny, pick it up with caution. You might strike it rich, or you might be swept up in a high-stakes game of treasure and legend. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.